Welcome to Hearing the Music. This episode is a special bonus episode devoted to our entire interview with Dr. James Johnson. James is the chorus master of the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra, and he was instrumental in bringing to life the 2014 concert that we've been listening to in this season of Hearing the Music. David and I called him from the studio, and here's the entire interview. We hope you enjoy. We had talked a little bit about the, the service, the context that this would have happened in, but uh, that's, that's a big question we'd like to explore, just what this piece, how this yeah. piece would have worked within the worship service. The service itself is uh, the Good Friday Vespers Tenebrae. Uh, but it was actually a, a, a kind of a simplified version of the Sunday Vespers that would have been pretty common at, uh, at in uh, both the Thomas Kirche and the uh, the Nikolai Kirche. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting because Bach wanted to perform uh, the St. John Passion at the Thomas Kirche, but it, the rotation of uh, the two churches meant that uh, it was uh, it was supposed to be at the Nikolai Kirche, and uh, Bach was essentially ordered uh, to perform it up there, even though the organ was far inferior to what he had at the Thomas Kirche, and there wasn't very much space. So it's kind of an, an interesting political thing there. But um, he wrote the Passion to fit very, very closely with the sermon. So the the service itself that Sunday Vespers uh, started out with a congregational hymn, uh, and then the first part of the Passion was uh, performed. And right at the end of that first part is when there would have been a, a sermon, and a fairly extensive uh, sermon for, uh, for a Vespers tenebrae. Uh, following that would have been the second part of uh, the Passion, and interestingly, after all of that was done in the uh, tenebrae is common, uh, a, a Latin motet. And uh, the motet for that day um, was Echo Quomodo Moritor uh, by uh, Jacob Hondo, by Gallus, uh, Behold How the Just Man Dies. So if you can imagine having a uh, motet that the choir sings following <laughs> the St. John Passion, that's uh, what the service would have had, and then it ended with the standard, uh, with the standard parts of the tenebrae, which have been would have been the verse uh, and the collect, and then the benediction, and then the congregation would have uh, would have ended with a hymn. So the the passion, like the cantatas, is very very tied, obviously, to the texts for the day, which would have been the Saint John. Uh, version of the Passion, and then also tied around the sermon. And so we don't really have an idea of how much that collaboration had to do with the St. John Passion, but uh, that, that's the context for uh, that, uh, for the St. John Passion on that 7th of April in 1724. One of the questions that we had been kicking around, and I, I don't know if this information still exists, but it's the question of, do we know what the sermon was, the sermon text, or anything about the sermon that was preached? Yeah, Pastor Mark, I have looked high and low for that, uh, and I'm, I'm still looking. I have uh, have a couple of friends that, that might be able to do that. I do not know of an extant version uh, or, or text of that 
sermon. Uh, it's obviously something that everyone uh, would be very, very interested in. There, there are a couple of books that, uh, that deal with the biblical texts uh, and stuff that, that Bach focused on, and those, I think, would have had a great deal to do with the sermon that was uh, that was offered that day, and especially I think with Bach's um, use of Bach's very very famous passion text, but not using any of the rhymed text or any of the essence uh, or the the you know the the structures really out of the Bach's passion, but just some of the concepts as long as they were fitted well within the biblical passages that uh, that Bach, uh, you know, cites, always, always focusing just on, on the biblical texts themselves. So I would imagine that, that this, this concept of Christus Victor would have been a, uh, a, a very essential part of that sermon, but that would be a wonderful thing to be able to see and then compare it with the, with the passion texts that were used around it. James, just for clarification, you're referring to Brock's passion, but um, so so our listeners aren't confused uh, because we're talking about Bach's passion, uh, Saint John passion. Oh, so Brock, yes. Brock is a librettist, correct? He's the yes, yeah. He was actually a senator from from Hamburg, and uh, he wrote a liturgical or a, a, a libretto uh, of that and. Uh, that that text was used in in Handel's and and Telemann Kaiser. The, it, it was very very popular uh, at that time as far as uh, a way to um, kind of do a musical setting uh, of the uh, of the Passion and uh, Bach. In in a sense, I think you know saw some value in it, but. Um, did, just really did not want to use it as the as the text. Uh, there's why, an excellent. Why not? Why, why not just uh, use it? Section. It already exists, right? Right. Yeah. And there's there's a wonderful uh, explanation that Günther Stiller wrote his his uh, book Johann Sebastian Bach and the Liturgical Life in Leipzig. Um, he goes into it quite quite extensively in that Bach in no way especially with his devotion to the Augsburg Confessions and, and that, that uh, theological bent, was going to use something that was not, you know, was not, over, I, I almost have to say, was not purely biblical. Uh, Bach always wanted to take his texts from the Bible itself and uh, using Brock's passion uh, setting or libretto was was not something that he would have found uh, good to do in a especially in a service setting. Mm-hmm. Well, that does raise an interesting question because there are two moments where he pulls from Matthew's gospel to supplement uh, familiar events that that are not mentioned in John's, where we have uh, Matthew's account of Peter's tears, his weeping. And then also Matthew mentioning yes. the, the the rending of the veil and the opening up of the graves. And uh, w- would Bach himself have been responsible for that, or was he he dealing with kind of a 
a pre-existing compilation? Um, no, there, as far as I know, there's no pre-existing compilation that that did that. I think both of those things that are cited there, uh, that you cited, um, fit very, very strongly into this idea of Christ as the victor, the Christus victor, and um, this perfect sacrifice and the human reaction to it and, and stuff that, that isn't always as clear in St. John's telling of, uh, of the Passion as, as, as Matthew is in, uh, in his rendition of that. And I think they fit very well into there. But as far as that, that being a standard kind of a thing, it might have been something that for Bach, it was too important to leave out in as far as his feeling for what what the human aspect was in this in this story. You mentioned uh, Christ as Victor, Christus Victor. Uh, can you walk us through that a little bit? How that plays out throughout the the piece? Yeah, yeah. The, a, a, a wonderful discussion of a, a number of these things is uh, is in Yaroslav Pelikan's uh, it's entitled Bach among the theological ground with the passion and the Lutheran tradition. Um, the idea of Christus Victor was was not normally something that was part of the Orthodox Protestant. Uh, theology, but Bach probably took a lot more from Luther's, uh, you know, loyalty to the Augsburg Confessions and the, this whole idea that Christ's death on the cross uh, is is seen as the only sacrifice, essentially the perfect sacrifice, and there is really nothing else that you can talk of in terms of that word, uh, sacrifice. And it, the the idea that the, that there could be a sacrament in in the church that uh, would be called a sacrifice uh, and stuff, and not to get into this the Catholic theological debate uh, with the Lutherans about communion and stuff, but this Christ Victor uh, or Christus Victor uh, is something that 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 Bach held very very tightly. I think the the essence of it sits uh, in in the uh, the end of that long recitative uh, in, in the Saint John, where it's the end of the crucifixion, and uh, Jesus in very very stark uh, secco recitative uh, bows his head and 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 sings "Es ist vollbracht." It is, it is finished. And then of all voices uh, to bring into that setting of the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, uh, to have the alto voice uh, in a very, very mournful uh, kind of a setting uh, present a, an entire aria on just that set of words, es ist fulbracht. Um, it also comes in this, Christus Victor, uh, at, at the very center uh, of the Passion, uh, time-wise, and that's uh, the, the haunting 
pietistic uh, statement that Bach makes in Betrachte meine Seele uh, mit ängstlichem Vergnügen, uh, that consider my soul in agony and rapture, this, this pain and agony of Christ. And it, it is so unique and sits at, that, at the very center uh, time-wise of, of that, not in part one or part two, but a, as, a, as a whole thing. And then to do it with two of the instruments that, that Bach himself spent a fair amount of time playing, the lute and the viol d'amore, not the viol d'abrachia, but the viol d'amore. And it, it is such a personal reaction to this sacrifice, to this ultimate perfect sacrifice, to say, look, my soul, you have to, as, as a person, consider this agony and the rapture and the, the, the whole pain that was part of, of this. And it sits again at the center of the of the passion. And I think the, the, the final, or not final, but one of the other primary points at which this, this Christus Victor uh, comes to a point is, is the point of, of golden proportion in the passion. Uh, and that's the, the aria chorus uh, combination at Eilt, ihr angefochtenen Seelen, come ye souls, uh, whom care oppresses or however you want to uh, to uh, to translate that but in in this one the the soloist keeps saying i i come 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 ye souls and the chorus over and over again in in rising kinds of uh, key areas consistently just just seems vogin 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 where where and it's this, this question of the sacrifice where are we going where are we going where where am I going with my faith? Where am I going in this whole thing? And you don't get it until again the very end of the piece, and it's a moment almost like the Essist Fulbracht, um, because all you get from the bass is one little measure after all of this continuing of Bohin, Bohin, and the and the solo is just saying, "Come, come, follow me, follow me, follow me." Uh, and it just says Nach Golgatha to to Golgatha to the to the crucifixion and to that final uh, sacrifice again that uh, the Christus Victor. But uh, I think those are those are three of the things for me. Both the it is finished at this Fulbracht and Bedracht Manizela at the center, and then the point of golden proportion where you see this this idea of Christ being the victor, but being the victor as the ultimate or the, the perfect sacrifice. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, you do see the, the I think for someone unfamiliar with the narrative, it's very surprising to see that the crucifixion is treated as a victory, that the hero of Judah is triumphing in his death. And so I think the the combination of those two themes is really powerful here. I I, I agree. I agree. It 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 to to me the the Saint John is such a is such a unique passion uh, in in that it is in in a sense it's very pietistic in that it's so personal for for Bach and 
and, and the, this whole balancing of both of those things that the crucifixion and all of that is, is actually a victory and that how, how people see, how we see it as, as people of faith is, is, is always kind of that balancing, uh, balancing kind of a factor. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we're grateful to have your insight into this. Yep. Have fun. Kind of in 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 that because it doesn't do the yeah anyway yeah. So James, one of the striking things as you walk your way through a passion like this is is the use of the chorus. Uh, they seem almost schizophrenic to me. Uh, you know how I. When we rehearse this, you know, we, we talk about the various roles that the chorus plays, correct? Yes. Yeah, I the chorus itself, I think, is, is very, very much uh, a, a, a mirror for, for Bach of, uh, of his idea through Luther of, of what the human condition is, that, uh, that we are both sinners and saint, uh, and then also in in the passion itself, that we're uh, the perpetrators uh, of it, but we are also the the penitents who who realize what what has uh, what has happened, and, and that we are responsible in it. I think two of the examples where you can look at at the the sinner uh, and the chorus functioning as the sinners. Uh, is, one of them is uh, is the chorus "Bistu nicht seiner Jünger einer," where they uh, where they challenge uh, Peter and say, uh, "Wait a minute, are, are are you not one of his disciples? Aren't you? I've seen you with him and stuff." And then again, the sinner, both from their standpoint and Peter's, of the denial and the chorus of the being the accuser and being wanting to make him be uh, an evil. Character, and then the the another example is just the the, the ultimate blasphemy that uh, that they come up with when uh, when they're presented with the King of the Jews and uh, Bach's chorus "Wir haben keine König," we have no king but Caesar, and uh, said very very blatantly uh, as a as a statement of, of belief and stuff and. Uh, Obviously, the, the the ultimate sin of, of blasphemy of the taking of God's name in vain, and then they turn around and become the saint, because at the end, probably for me, absolutely one of the most beautiful moments uh, for the chorus uh, in the Saint John Passion is uh, the root wohl ihr heiligen Gebeine, rest well, beloved, and sweetly sleep. Um, there's nothing that the chorus does in the whole St. John Passion that is, um, is more reflective, is more giving, uh, is more uh, exemplary of, of, of what we think a saint would do, which is, is to grant rest to this one that they call the beloved uh, sleeping Savior. Um, from the perpetrator end of things, of actually doing them uh, as a perpetrator, I think you have to jump to uh, to the Kreuziger, Kreuziger, to crucify him. Because after 
saying, you know, we don't have any uh, any king but uh, but Caesar, but uh, to really say what it is that should be done, uh, to say Kreuziger, to, to say crucify him, not whip him, not anything, but to be the perpetrator, to say, this is what you should do to him. Uh, and then to turn around towards the end and the chorale and the penitent end of things, oh, hilf Christe, Gottes Son, is to say, oh, my God, what have we done? Help us, Son of God. And then to turn and ask the Christ figure, Son of God, to be the one to help you after you have yelled, crucify him. Uh, that's what you were talking, David, when, you know, that, that, that schizophrenia, the right. Bach gives every kind of contrary character of human nature to the chorus and says, yes, you are going to be a sinner and a saint. You're going to be a perpetrator and you're going to be a penitent. And, uh, does it in my mind as, as, as only Bach can do it. He is called the fifth evangelist after all. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the idea of a fifth evangelist, I think, has been thrown around uh, as, as, as a, 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 a derogatory, as a don't presume upon yourself to, to say that. Uh, and, and yet the justification for it, I, I believe, is very, very essentially set in the fact that Bach used biblical texts as in their own sufficiency, as, as, as not needing something other than that to make, uh, to make the statements uh, that needed to, be, needed to be made. And through music was able to take all of these theological concepts from all of the four gospels and, and, and put them into musical entities that, that kind of bring them to life, that show us uh, with only things that music can do, which is to, to take a set of text and then put music with it that has a definite why. Why this set of notes with this set of text? And when you're able to do that with box skill, it becomes a whole new way of of transmitting the the message of the gospel, to, which to me is is the definition of of being an evangelist. Indeed. So, in with the music, Bach is not simply overlaying some sort of interpretation of the text, um, adding to it or uh, or taking away from it, but rather an enlivening, right, of the text where. Yes. Where where the the meaning of the text is allowed to speak, I don't know, in a in a fresh way, in a new way, in a um, in, a, in a, a personally applicable way. Probably because music, being the most abstract of the art forms, can can awaken that sense within us, uh, sort of heightened sensitivity to the text. Would you agree? I, I agree totally, David. And, and it, it also has an ability that that the the masters of the art of music, you know, all all recognize Mozart in in his operas and stuff, where where a, a, a musical idea 
actually enters into a conversation with the textual idea and they can inform each other they can argue with each other you can have things musically happening that bring back concepts that um that you've that you you've you know confronted earlier and they all inform each other and and enter into a, a dialogue and and that 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 power is something that the art of music is is very unique at, if not completely unique at being able to do which could lead us into a discussion of Wagner, but I will refrain from that at the moment. I, 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 <laughs> he was on the tip of my tongue, <laughs> but I didn't go there. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> actually, I've been especially <laughs> after that uh, the the ring without words, which was just phenomenal. That that was this blew me away. Well, actually, I, I've been thinking. I mean, doing this project, uh, this podcast project, right on the heels of having done the ring. Uh, the Ring Without Words, I mean, the parallels are absolutely striking with what you just described. I mean, how yes. how Bach uses uh, music to, to enliven the text and how Wagner then creates music. Of course, Wagner wrote the text himself. So, but, yeah. but, it, but it wasn't that the text, what was he, he was merely setting the, the text to music, that, but it was actually the music telling the story and the text writing on top of it, which was... Yeah. You know, a, yeah. a, a very new thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also even drawn in that Mozart, another, you know, so dear to, to me in, 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 in his, his operas where, you know, you can have five or six characters on a stage mm -hmm. and they're all singing at the same time, but they're all completely different uh, affects and, and text things. And, and it's, yeah. There's a power that sits there that is, uh, is, is unique to, to our art. Indeed. Indeed. Well, thank you, James. Thanks so much for, yes, for speaking with us. Well, that's our interview with Dr. James Johnson. We want to thank him for sharing his insight into the St. John Passion and we want to thank you for listening. You can find more episodes of Hearing the Music, including bonus content like this, by visiting hearingthemusic.org.